Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. Trust everyone has had a good uh, May long weekend. It is actually Pentecostal Sunday as well. You know what I've always found funny about Pentecostal Sunday is that uh, many other churches and fellowships that are not Pentecostal celebrate Pentecostal Sundays, and the only one who doesn't celebrate Pentecostal Sundays, it seems, are Pentecostal churches, and that's kind of funny, but I just kind of figured that for Pentecostals, every Sunday is Pentecostal Sunday, and I'm trusting that that is the case here today uh, as well. And... I just wanted to say thanks. It's nice seeing so many cars and people uh, coming to share on uh, a May long weekend. And I know that there's not a whole lot that we can do. And uh, I wanted to um, share something which I think is important for us as Christians to kind of understand as we go through this time. But in order to do that, and uh, again, welcome those who are online sharing and, uh, and uh, joining us as you are at at, at your houses or wherever. But in order for me to to um, kind of share what's on my heart, um, I have to have a bit of a time where I am vulnerable so that I can say that I am qualified to say what I am. And so if you could just uh, allow me to be a little bit vulnerable and perhaps a little bit on, honest as we, as we get uh, started. Um, I am sick and tired of this pandemic. And I know that perhaps I haven't been the one who has suffered the most from the pandemic. But there's actually a scripture uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where um, Paul all of a sudden goes on a bit of a rant where he says, if this is what, um, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I'm going to give you my qualifications. If you guys think that you are this, then I will throw my, I will throw my hat into the ring. And so if it, as it were, and we get talking about uh, what we've had to go through over this last year and a half, um, let me just tell you that I think that I am qualified uh, to speak about frustration on, uh, on this particular topic. Um, since this pandemic has happened, I have come to realize that every decision that I make is not going to be unanimous. As a matter of fact, there will be a group of people that will disagree with me, and uh, that is fine. Uh, it's the ones who kind of passive-aggressively disagree with me that sometimes can be the trouble. But, but that's fine. And what has happened, and as most of you know, as you are sitting in your cars, that we have had to learn to do church differently. And um, the problem with that is that once we got comfortable with this particular method, all of a sudden the restrictions changed. And so we could no longer do it that way. And there have been times where I felt like I have been a frog on a lily pad. And as that lily pad begins to sink, I have to hop um, onto uh, another lily pad. Have you, ever, have you ever had that feeling? Perhaps you have felt that as well. And then I've realized that there have been church people who I have been in contact who are normally wonderful, friendly people begin to lash out over things and I can sense the frustration just based on conversations that I have uh, at me. Um, and, and, and so we sought to try and minister through um, phone and through Zoom and through Duo and through Microsoft Teams and through Skype 
and instant message and video and WhatsApp and FaceTime and Facebook and face-to-face. Although when I see you face-to-face, sometimes it's hard to understand you because you've got this mask on. Uh, no offense in any ways. It's just difficult. We've had to do our our uh, hospital visitations through well wishes on the website when people who I know were really sick we couldn't be able to see and we've done funerals here in the church where there have just been 10 people allowed and the rest of the people who who grieved had to sit in their cars much like you're doing right now so that they could go to the procession the procession afterwards and when the pandemic first started I was going to go before the pandemic started I was looking forward to going to Halifax for general conference and hadn't been to general conference in 15 or 20 years and and all of a sudden the pandemic came we had to cancel the tickets and I was looking forward to Quest being able to go to Brazil and and that's when the pandemic started and they had to cancel their tickets. I, I had to high-five my daughter over the phone when she graduated after six years of school and getting her nursing degree. And that was no small feat when she had learning disabilities but ended up graduating near the top of her class and saying, I'm so proud of you over the phone. We had tickets to go down to be at the graduation, but <laughs> we had to cancel the tickets. And so this Sunday, I'm hopefully heading to Ontario. Pray for me because... I don't want to cancel any more tickets. If I have to cancel one more ticket or one more event or one more happening, I'm not too sure exactly what I'm having to do. I've learned to talk to cameras with nobody around. I've also learned to speak live to that camera also with nobody around. And now I am speaking to a number of cars. And every time I tell a joke, I'm not too sure whether you're laughing. And you may say, you know, Pastor Mike, we never really laughed at your jokes anyways, which, well, that may be true. But let's not, let's not get into that. So I say all that to say this. I'm longing for a day when we can all get together to be able to stand at an altar with someone and agree with them in prayer and to be able to pray for somebody to be baptized with the Holy Spirit face-to-face and, and to be able to talk with people in a, uh, the foyer or the lobby without a mask on so that we don't sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. And I'll just tell you this. I think I'm qualified to talk about the fact that I certainly have had my frustrations in this whole process. I hear you uh, when you talk and share the same frustrations. If you give me a couple minutes, I want to share something that God has put on my heart, which I think applies to all of us, whether you're here and you're listening online. And while you're online, maybe you're just talking about certain frustrations that are going as you're talking amongst yourself on the chat lines as the as the uh, the uh, service is live streamed. But. I believe that there is something that God is seeking to do. And if you're a Christ follower, this should challenge you. Uh, It should at least make you think. Um, I will always get an amen. I will always get an approval from people. If I were to come up to them and say, you know what? God has been speaking to my heart. And God has told me that he is going to open some doors for success and goodness in your life. And you will say, amen. But if all of a sudden I were to say, you know what? I think God is working in a way where he's going to utilize a time when he's going to close some doors to prepare you, to refine you, to define you, to perfect you, to direct you, to dissect you, or whatever the case may be. The mood is not so easy. Um, And I don't think that God has created this pandemic, but I think that he desires to use it. And if you look at history, he has used times like this similar in the past to speak to his people. What if I told you that we may be in the midst of while a regular pandemic is going on, that God perhaps is trying to pursue in us a holy quarantine? What if God is trying to flip the script? What if what Satan has meant for bad, God is going to intend for good for our lives? And I'm going to show you two occasions in the Bible where God quarantines his people. And the tremendous thing about it is in these two instances, they are amongst the most important instances 
in church history. So God, I pray that you will minister to each and every individual. God, as as, uh, I know we're speaking to those people online, I pray, Father, that you minister to them. And I pray, Father, that you will say something really, really strong to us today. Because, God, you need to show up. And I pray that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bible apps or if you have your Bibles with you, there's two passages of Scripture I just want to show you really quickly that I think are important for us to understand. first one is in... In John chapter 20, uh, verses 19 to 22, it's a passage which is known as the insufflation. Uh, What exactly does that mean? Well, I don't know what it means. I just thought I would impress you with my knowledge of big words, but that's kind of what it's known as. And this is what it says. Now when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were together, due to fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side, and the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, and just as the Father has sent me, I'm going to send you. And, and he went, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is something that happens right after the crucifixion. Right after the crucifixion, they find themselves alone, quarantined, as it were. They were kind of on their own, but the reason that they were on their own was because they were afraid. A lot of fear happens when stuff like that happens. But you know what? I don't think it was just fear that had kept them behind closed doors. It's probably failure. Probably the thought that here, here we are. We thought that this was the right thing, and, and everything was great until this event had happened, and, and our, our Savior, the one we had put our hopes on, has died, and so... There's a feeling of failure. There was a feeling of futility. What is the hope? We've lost all hope. Not only was there fear and failure, futility, there was probably a whole lot of frustration. I looked up the definition of frustration. It says the feeling of being upset or annoyed, especially because of the inability to change or achieve something. They're frustrated. The doors were closed from frustration. The doors were, were closed because of fatigue. They were just tired. You could even add the word faithlessness. That What happens when everything that you do seems to be for nothing? Not only were they physically tired and physically want to throw in the towel, they may have been spiritually wanting to throw in the towel as well. And I, I can imagine as I, I talk about a, a number of these things, these might be the way some of us are feeling right now. And the question is this. Can anything good happen behind closed doors? Is there anything good that takes place behind closed doors? Usually when we talk about what happens behind closed doors, one of the things we think about is some type of corruption that happens behind closed doors or some type of sin that happens behind closed doors. If, or at the very least, lonely times happen behind um, closed door. But let me just tell you this. In a biblical sense, when you hear the fact that there are closed doors, many times that's a good sign. Oftentimes overlooked in this particular story was the fact that in the midst of this closed door, when things were at their worst, it says this, Jesus showed up. Now, he didn't kick the door down. He didn't climb through the window. It just said that he appeared. Have you ever considered that God has the habit of showing up in the midst of our closed doors? Oh, you don't understand, Pastor Mike. I'm going through one of the most times, and it is absolutely impossible for, for things to change. Yeah, but God shows up in the midst of closed doors. You know, we can't have any people over. Yeah, but, but God shows up. Our economy is doomed. There's nothing but closed doors, but even in the midst of that, the Word of God says that God shows up. All hopes of doors or doors of hope are closed, but even in the midst of that, the Word of God says that God shows up. And if there's anything that we can gather from this passage of Scripture, it is God is telling us, 
that a closed door does not keep a resurrected Jesus from showing up. That we don't make the temporary permanent. That a closed door does not deter a holy God. And everything is closed up, but God shows up. The question I have for us today is this. Do you really believe that? Here we are in the midst of some most difficult times that we are, and some of us have lost hope. But let me just tell you what the Word of God says, that when the disciples were sequestered and they were quarantined, God showed up. And what was it that caused that to take place? It was the resurrection power of Christ. And the good news for us is this, is that Romans chapter 8, verse 11, basically says, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, and it will strengthen your mortal body, so the resurrection power that caused Christ to appear is also in us today. That's an absolutely wonderful thing for us to um, to really comprehend. So when we talk about quarantines, obviously God does something different. He has something in mind. Let me give you the other passage of scripture. And it is found if you are um, reading along in your Bibles online and you're discussing things online. Um, Acts chapter 1. Now, John chapter 20, Acts chapter 1. Only like two or three pages. It's only a couple of chapters when all of a sudden the one goes from one to the other. And And so what has happened is a few weeks have gone by and Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He has shown himself up to to up to 500 people. And so just before he ascends into heaven, he has something important for the disciples to understand. And so as we get into Acts chapter uh, 1 verses, verses 4 and 5, it says this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and then what happens is Jesus basically just ascends into heaven and 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 so what happens after that is the disciples all of a sudden go into what would be known as a quarantine all of a sudden they assemble 120 of them into an upper room and and one of the most fantastic events that happens in human history at that time but The question I have is this. If Jesus is ascending, why doesn't he just give them the Holy Spirit right there and then? I'm leaving. I'm going to heaven. This is the Holy Spirit. Here he is. God bless you. Drop the microphone. Go up into heaven. No problems. I'm out. But he doesn't do that. What he says instead is this. Quarantine yourself. Find a place alone in the upper room. He doesn't even tell them how long it's going to be. Okay, so how long is this supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? He doesn't even tell them that. He just says, go up, begin to pray, begin to seek me, and wait for this. You just got to wait for it to take place. And it makes me ask myself a question. What was the significance of the gap of time before Jesus left and the day of Pentecost, which we know what's happened? What would have happened if they would have said, okay, we will stick around and wait and maybe kind of clicked on Netflix or whatever kind of waited for whatever was going to happen to happen. That's not what they did. What would have happened if they would have done nothing? What would have happened if they just would have sat around? Would there have been any difference? Would the world have been different? And, and um, it causes us to ask this thing. I think everything about a quarantine is terrible, but everything about a God quarantine is powerful. What if God is trying to do something during the quarantine? What good can happen in closed doors? Well, he kind of showed them during the resurrection that God shows up. Is it not fair to assume that when God quarantines us, he is preparing us for himself to show up 
again, just like he did before, that there's something about a holy quarantine, a pre-Pentecostal moment. And if, and if the quarantine that happened was a pre-Pentecostal moment, can we not reflect upon that today and say, maybe what God is seeking to do in this time is create a pre-Pentecostal moment. Will we be ready? Is that what something is going to do? In instances when God quarantines people, it is shown throughout history that God ends up doing something new. What is God leading us to? What is this quarantine leading us to? And do we have the knowledge and the wisdom to do something about it? Or do we want to miss it because we're not really heeding to what God is wanting to say? And it makes me ask this question. Why does God create a quarantine for the disciples? Why exactly did he do that? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. And perhaps you have some reasons that I don't. But I jotted a few down. Sometimes God sets us apart. Sometimes God quarantines us to focus us. To give us that solitude and sanctuary and stillness. To to create that time, that Psalms 46 moment where he says, Be still and know that I'm God. When I'm not under quarantine, I'm thinking of five or six different things. When I'm under quarantine and when God has me set apart, I'm thinking of one thing. I'm thinking of him. And I learn about myself and I learn about God and I learn about the people around me. Maybe he's causing us to focus. Or maybe he's trying to unite us, to show us the realization that it takes a quarantine to realize how much we actually need each other. Or maybe he's just trying to prepare us for something. I was reading an article by uh, a, an evangelist named Sammy Rodriguez, and he kind of said these things. He said, a closed door is a door of preparation, but an open door is a door of revelation. There's a seizing of equipment that a private time or private moment of prayer leads to public moments of power. That a closed door is where God changes you so that when the door opens, you become able to change the world. That there's something to do with God preparing our heart. So quarantine will prepare us. Unfortunately as well, a quarantine will expose us. Sometimes a quarantine is a flashlight to our soul. And there's good things that we learn about themselves. And there's bad things that we learn about ourselves. And sometimes during a quarantine, and maybe you've learned this, that, that you thought you had a, a little anger problem, but because of the quarantine, you realize that you got a much bigger anger problem. Or you had a small judgmental problem, but now you've got a pretty big judgmental problem. Quarantine will expose you. Quarantine will dissect you. It will determine the man or it will determine the woman that... Um, uh, that you are, that sometimes it takes the times where you begin to realize that perhaps the way you have thought may not be the way that God has thought. That for some of us, we may have had a transactional relationship with God. Well, God, I'm serving you so that you can do this for me. This is kind of the deal, God. God, I thought we had a deal. I would serve you. You would heap all these things upon me. You have a trans, trans, transactional relationship, God? Or do you have a transparent relationship with God that says, okay, God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want you to do. Is our theology such that only good things happen to Christians? Well, that theology is wrong. He will dissect you. He will define you. You know, you are the person that you are, not because of the good things that have happened in your life. You are who you are because of the struggles that have happened in your life. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. God whispers through our pleasures he speaks through our conscience, but he, he yells through our pain. Pain is the megaphone that God uses to rouse a sleeping world. During this quarantine, God may be trying to define us, to dissect us, and maybe he's trying to stretch us a little bit. Can you hear that one? I always think of James. 
He says, but let patience have its perfect work. Why? He says, so you might be perfect in entire wanting nothing. Sometimes God creates a quarantine time. Perhaps he did it to purify the people. Obviously, on the day of Pentecost, Peter was there. He was already in the process of purification. God has already been doing a number of things through him. Here's what I find. Every time that God wants to move in a powerful way, he requires something of us, something that we have to give up. Usually, we have to trade up. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's a matter of leaving the idols on the ground so that God can do the work that he wants to do. And it's, it's crazy sometimes when we think about it, but God is continually seeking for us to cast off the things that don't really matter in our lives. This is what Hebrews 12 says. He says, since you're running this race, cast off the weight. And then it says, and the sin that so easily besets you. That God seeks to purify us. You ever wonder why the Bible doesn't call it Refiner's Spa, Refiner's Oasis? No, it's always called Refiner's Fire. Because there is no such thing as a Refiner's Spa. Oh, God, well, well, I'm just laying back here and getting my nails done. I'm just fine that I'm getting closer to you. No, God purifies us through these times where we're set apart for his glory. What God produces in open doors is the result of what he has purified in closed doors. And you know, one of the, I think one of the most important reasons that God quarantines us, I think it is to, to revitalize us. Because I think sometimes if we keep going in the path that we were going, that we would be living a slow motion death. That God somehow has to wake us up and say, are you really going in the right direction? Are you really serving me the way I want you to serve me? That sometimes a closed door will remind us of what we forgot. That we need to start doing what we used to do. That we need, we need to fan into flame a, 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 a fire that is just flickering. And, and that there's so much that happens in that time when we're alone. That time when where God says, hey, you just sit here. This is a quarantine time. And, and it might be a physical quarantine time for this world. But it is a spiritual quarantine time for you. Something about a quarantine time that makes us innovative. You know the times when you will be most innovative are the times when you will have the biggest challenge. You will have a difficulty and you have no money to throw at it. That's when we become innovative. When all of a sudden there's a problem and there's no money to pay it away. All of a sudden we all of a sudden have to think for ourselves. And there's something that happens in a time of quarantine that causes us to realize that maybe we need to do things differently. Maybe God is bringing about something new that will innovate the way we reach and minister to people. Because I want to see people get saved every week. I want people uh, who are listening in here who don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to be delivered. I want you to be healthy. And that only happens when God begins to show up in our lives. And um, sometimes we need to be open to the change that the Holy Spirit is doing as he kind of holds us there, isn't it? Many people have not heard of the word uh, of the individual whose name was Dick Fosbury. Um, but in the 1968 Olympics, Dick Fosbury revolutionized high jumping. Uh, prior to 1968, uh, the way you jumped over uh, a high jumping pit... Uh, over the bar was you either did it through scissors or you did it through a straddle, straddling or, or it was what was called the western roll where you kind of rolled over it. And, and all of a sudden this, this 21-year-old physics student sits there and says, you know, what if I kind of ran up and I jump over the 
the pole backwards. And they're saying, this guy looks like a lame camel flying over this thing. But what he said was this. He says, if I can arch my back when I get over the pole, I'll never, my center of gravity never has to go above the pole. And what happens is he wins the gold, member, the gold, uh, the gold medal in 1968. And from that time on, everybody to this day still does what's called the, the Fosbury flop. Sometimes it takes... Sometimes it takes a time of setting apart for God to say, hey, I might be calling you to something new. I might be calling you to something different. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says, do not call to mind the former things or consider the things of the past. Behold, I'm going to do something now, new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, desert rivers in the desert. I don't know what God's up to. And I certainly know that I'm frustrated through some of the things that we have to, uh, to do to, to minister or whatever. But you know what I think? I think by telling the disciples to go into the upper room to wait, Christ was saying something. He was saying this, that the process will affect the outcome. That what happens behind closed doors is more important than what happens when those doors open. Because a closed door will often happen before an open door. I know that I've heard so many people, and as I have listened to evangelists and, and historians, they said, you know, after many pandemics, there has been a tremendous move of God. And, and I see that as being half true. Because if you don't do anything during the time of quarantine, how is it that God is going to do anything different? That God is calling us. God is calling you to believe that he will show up if you allow him to do the work that he is seeking to do during this time. That happens to me as an individual. That, that happens to you as an individual, whether you're here um, uh, in your car or whether you're in the apartments or perhaps you are here um, online. This word kind of came to me. I began to ask myself, what is it, Mike, that you really want? What is it? What is it that, that you know, if things would go the way that you wanted to, what, what is it that you really want? And as I prayed, I just came to the realization is that what we need most is for God to show up in the midst of closed doors. We don't need a newer building. We don't need um, a bigger building. What we need is for God to show up. So what happens if we build a bigger building and a newer building and God doesn't show up? We will still be at a place where we're longing for him. We don't need a new paved driveway. That would be great. What we need is for God to show up. And what we need is not better grades and a newer car. What we need is for God to show up. And what I need is not a better counselor or a better spouse. What I need is for God to show up. And that's what you need as well. The question we have as, as we drive off and as we make this, these cars that we're in an altar right now is to say, God, what is it that you're wanting to do? God, show up. Show up in my life. And maybe you're listening from your home and, and you are going through one of the most difficult times and you may know absolutely nothing about God. But let me just tell you this. If you're at a point of desperation and you're looking for something real, something true and real, God will show up if you allow him to do so. And if you're in line and you're looking for something real and you're just not too sure what to do and maybe you've never even been online and this is the first time you're watching, God needs to show up. Don't you agree? Can we pray for that? God, I haven't had a chance to pray with people for a long time. And, and of all the things that I miss in ministry is that. 
to be able to see lives change, to be able to see people delivered, to see miracles happen as we pray together. But a number of us are just at the end of our rope as far as this pandemic. And I think it was just like the disciples in the upper room, not knowing what to do, bound by fear, bound by fatigue, by a whole bunch of stuff. But in the midst of that, God showed up. And God, I pray that you will do it again in our lives. God, show up in our marriage. God, show up at our work. God, show up in my depression and my discouragement. God, show up in every single area. And Father, we're going to give you the thanks and praise, Father. But I pray that that will go out right now, that the presence of God will move in all of our lives, and that, God, you will show yourself up and and you will reveal yourself in our lives, God, as we go uh, and end this pandemic time, Father. I pray, Lord, that we'll be prepared for what you are wanting to do. God, make it a pre-Pentecostal moment, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> Folks, have a great week. And, uh, and if things go well for me, have a great month. God bless and have a great week. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.